Hey guys, it's me, Chris, again, and I'm just here to read off some more patrons. We did get a few since last episode, which is always amazing. We thank you guys for your support. We really, really appreciate it. So a huge thank you to Tommy Fitzpatrick, Morgan Coburn, Pacific S. Obadiah, Robo Ghost World, Miss Chaotic Evil, Stephen Jennings, The Sosuke, and Kenneth Shaughnessy. Again, thank you guys so much. Your support means the world to us. And for those of you who may be thinking of donating, you can find us at patreon.com slash meddling. That's patreon.com slash meddling. Yeah, we were able to nab that. <laughs> but anywho, enjoy the rest of the show. Hi, everyone. It's Dana. In addition to the general content warnings that we have in the description, I did just want to make a special note that this episode does deal with the fallout of a widespread power outage in the town that our characters are in. And I know with some of the things that have happened and unfortunately are still ongoing in Texas and other parts of the country, that that can be a bit of a topic that's a little too real for some of our listeners. So please do be aware of that. It's not something that's throughout the episode, but we do talk about it in a little bit of detail at the intro. Also on that subject, if you are looking for ways to help out with that situation, we're going to have some links in the description. In particular, I'm going to give a shout out to Feed the People Dallas, which is a Black and Latin-led organization helping pretty much doing what it says, making sure that uh, folks in Dallas are taken care of. So if you have any resources or money to spare, please consider helping them out. They could really use it. All right, so please stay safe and enjoy the show this week. Previously on Meddling with Monsters. For the moment that he looks at Dane, he thinks of this one creature he read about that was comprised of only scar tissue. Better not be a rainbow kraken. I hate rainbow krakens. So here's the thing. You see those two items checked off. It is your handwriting. You do not remember making that note. Oh, shit. <laughs> There's a loud thunderclap. All the lights in the Flotsam and Jetsam bar and cafe go out, as do the lights all around you, as all of Sminfidge descends into a blackout. <laughs> So much of humanity's collective efforts have gone into a single, simple goal. Avoid the dark. From the sparks of the first campfire to the glow of the first light bulb, our species has spent a large portion of our time trying to develop new ways to ensure we are never without the reassuring glow of one source of illumination or another. Even when we extinguish our lights to sleep, we do so knowing that light is merely a few feet and a flick of a switch away ready to instantaneously drive back both the darkness and the discomforting possibilities and unknowns that lurk within it. This sense of security is swiftly torn away from us during a blackout, 
left without the possibility of immediate relief from the dark. We are forced to remember just how much greater it is than us and how much its crushing dark weight is eager to consume us once we are stripped of our defenses. Such fears and concerns are for normal, average people though. They are not for the likes of you, Dane. You are not afraid of what lurks in the dark. You frequently are what lurks in the dark. As the town of Sminfidge is suddenly plunged into a stormy, lightless night, you sit in M's car, unable to see anything and hearing only the pounding of the rain against the vehicles outside. What do you do? Dane kind of takes a moment to think about it and taking weight of the situation, will turn to M. We should return to the others. They are likely, hopefully, safe. But I would be more reassured if I was there. Yeah, can you try, um, try checking in with them? Can you try calling? Yes. They pull out their little Nokia. You pull out your Nokia and it has no signal. Hmm. It seems I am without the signal. Oh, fuck, let me check mine. Um, M reaches into her bag and pulls it out. It's like, fuck, yeah, same shit. I don't know, maybe a cell tower's down or something. Instead of waiting for the signal to return, we should simply make our way over there. Sounds good. One thing I want to do here briefly, there's not really a non-slightly awkward time to do this. I have wanted to be a little bit more explicit about describing certain characters' appearances, especially when it comes to issues with like representation. So two characters that I wanted to be more explicit about. M is Afro-Latin, and I think one of the images I sent y'all for Archibald is kind of like, yes, um, mm -hmm. is, is black and is kind of like, oh, I can't pronounce his, uh, shoot, Gus from Breaking Bad. Gian, Giancarlo Esposito, I think, is yes, how you pronounce yes, it. Yes, Giancarlo yeah. Esposito, yes. Yeah, I know. Like I said, there was no way it wasn't going to be awkward, but I wanted to bring it up sooner rather than later so that it does not become a thing where I try to graft it on to a character that's been established as something else or pull all the whole J.K. Rowling of Hermione could have been black oh, the whole God. time. Oh, God. <laughs> We're a podcast with definitive character uh, appearances here. Absolutely. I'm certainly okay with a degree of variance in how people see certain things, but when it comes to things like, hey, I already described M as being fat or them uh, not being white. We are going to avoid blonde white twink disorder. Oh, God. That is so endemic to podcasts. Yeah, because when I initially came up with the character, that was kind of like my initial the image that popped into my head. And when it did that, I was like, okay, I need to be more explicit about not doing precisely that. Yeah. I guess along the same lines, it would be a good point to point out that Dane is Spanish-Filipino, so he's got like a nice, rich brown skin, so. Um. And Cassandra is... Cassandra's Latin. Cassandra is a is a brown Latin person. Okay. So I don't know that we've described Ashton or Tempest. Do we want to run through that now? If you want to, that's fine. I think the image, the portraits that Celeste drew, I think y'all are light-skinned slash white. And yeah, that that's I, what the I mean, references yeah. I was given from I was given. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. I'm like I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah. I don't feel like pressure to change anything. <laughs> I just mainly wanted to be explicit about those two NPCs because they're the obvious ones that I can think of that I haven't been explicit about where it matters. Right. Anyways, M gets ready to start the car, Dane. Mm -hmm. And as she goes to 
to crank the keys. The hair on the back of your neck just kind of stands up a little bit, and it's kind of like your monster instinct that you get the sense that there's something like wrong or something bad. This is not like a full-on Cassandra hunch. It's just more like Dane's yeah. kind of animal instincts of sorts. Dane will reach out and put a hand on M's in like a hold on for a moment before they go to crank the keys and they'll look around and is it like there's something close by is like just something like wrong in general or like what yeah so this is i mean i've kind of got you into this but it's a uh, read a bad situation roll here for okay. sure like i think you're you're sort of just trying to maybe sense or like look or smell are dane's this is actually a good point are any of dane's senses heightened if anything it probably would be his uh probably his sense of smell that would okay, be that also maybe the, sight. Like we've mentioned thing. that the eyes can kind of do surveillance for you yeah. in a way yeah yeah so, yeah some, okay it's usually one or the other so like the his sense of smell is his the sense of sight is because of the rest of him so got it got it so mm, let's roll that's a fuck me <sighs> well starting off strong everybody that is a uh, that is a five. Ooh. Oh boy you try to pause and wait for a bit, and then you can't quite feel anything. And then your gesture slips a little bit so that M's like, okay, like it's fine. M cranks the car on and the headlights illuminate in the rain, a stark silhouette of a figure. Okay. You can't really make it out particularly great in the rain, but they climb on to the hood of M's car and begin like knocking like hard against the windshield. They're gonna break it in a little bit. Okay. Um, nah, Dane doesn't care. Dane is gonna, it's obviously like a creature or something. It's not like- You don't get a good look. But they're on the hood. Yeah, M's like fuck. And they like accidentally like crank the car the right way and the lights go off again. And you can just hear it banging. And it's like, fuck, give me a sec. Dane will push the seat back and press themselves forward, ready to jump through the windshield if need be. There's a beat, and then an arm breaks through the passenger side of the windshield and reaches out toward you, Dane. Okay, I'm gonna bite it. <laughs> okay, this is definitely a kick some ass roll. Yeah. <laughs> Dane, full instinct, full monster mode now. Just the eyes and mouths open up, and we're gonna bite and. <laughs> <laughs> That's a four on the die, but thankfully uh, I get a plus three, so that puts me at a seven. <laughs> All right, so you're both gonna do some harm. Yeah. And you reach out. So do you? What, what do you bite with? You have so many mouth options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, that's I need right. a description. Um, Dane is going to take the one that's most easily accessible, the one on the hand, on the palm, and they're just gonna reach out and grab it and bite with that teeth. You bite, and that does one harm, right? It does two. Oh yeah, because you took plus one to the base. You bite, and normally, you know, when you bite on something, you feel like life drain, right? Yeah. What does that feel like, actually? That's We haven't characterized that. It's almost like, you know, sometimes when you're feeling tired or, like, hurt or whatever, and you just kind of, like, it, it just kind of fades. It's almost like that yeah. whatever exhaustion is there fades, or you get, like, a second wind. You go from that sluggish to more aware. That's kind of how it feels. It's just more refreshed, like, almost like a little nap. You bite down with the mouth on your palm onto this arm, and you definitely can feel it scratch and break a little bit beneath you. Like, you can feel the teeth sink in. You don't feel that sense of like energy flowing into you and that takes you like you're very used to feeling that whenever you attack something mm -hmm. and then you get a better look at the arm now that it's kind of closer to you M's like managed to I think get some of the lights in the car 
turned on as she cranks it. And you see that the arm is entirely covered, almost made up of scars. And there's a beat, and then you wait. And, you know, when you have your scars open up, it's like, you know, different scars in your body and they all become mouths. This arm almost unspools. All the arm breaks open to these lines of teeth, and then all at once, dozens and dozens of glowing red eyes appear. And then the arm lunges at you and it grabs your chest and it sinks all of those mouths in and those bites in at once and you take two harm from that. All right. <laughs> in response to that, Dane, without looking at M, will just go, drive. M doesn't even respond verbally. They just, you hear the car crank and it peels forward. And with the lights on, you now see more of this figure illuminated and their entire body is the same way. And it is all at once now kind of starting to unravel a little bit. And you see all of these glowing red eyes peering out from every corner of their body. Dane will smile. M is driving in the car and sort of trying to speed while this figure, they are perched up on the hood. And I can't exactly see great right now. Give me a second. And Dane will kind of, (laughs) this is so dumb. (laughs) They will maneuver to the corner of the car closer to the door and they will angle themselves and then launch themselves through the windshield and try and tackle the figure off of the car. Okay. Um, I think that's going to be just an act under pressure roll because you're not necessarily kicking some ass here. It's yeah. more about getting it off of the car. Yeah. That is an eight. You managed to tackle them off of the car. Mm-hmm. You tackle them and the two of you roll off of the side of the car. You get some glass cut in you and then scraped on the side like of the, of the road as you fall out. And you're going to take, I'm going to say, just a one harm from that, okay. which I think you have armor, so it probably doesn't yeah. actually affect you that much. But even if you don't take actual damage from it. Uh, You still, I think, are knocked kind of prone again like you were with the hellhounds. They just kind of like scramble under the ground. They're like on on their hands and knees. The figure, they are standing there in the rain. Now you watch as M's car pulls off a bit. You can tell that she's trying to like maybe get it turned around um, or, or stopped for a sec so she can come back and get you. But you and this figure are both standing there in the rain and there's just a beat and then a flash of lightning and both of you are illuminated standing in the middle of this otherwise dark and rainy road Mm -hmm. and they just stand there you can see now like earlier you could see their form was kind of an average size and humanoid form and now it's sort of again unspooled and it's like a good maybe not quite double but one and a half times their resting size and they they stand there and just sort of wait You said Emma's trying to get the car turned around? Yeah, it's going to take them a sec, though. It's raining. You just literally broke their entire windshield. Yeah. Dane is going to go full tilt, and let's fight this thing. Uh, Dane is going to lurch forward like an animal and go and try and eat them. So... Yeah, or we'll kick some ass. Uh, Let's see. Finally, that, that that is a nine. That is a nine, so... Okay, you go in again. How do you attack? Like, you run at them. What are you trying to attack them with? Just try to go, like, full tackle and restrain them with the arms and let the mouths do what they do. Um, Kind of take pieces of them and rip off chunks. When you tackle them, their mouths that are, like, making up their own entire body at this point are, like, almost fighting yours, like two piranha swarms going at each other. Mm -hmm. And you take two harm again, and you deal the two harm. However, you don't get the life drain again. Okay. 
And eventually, this figure, they managed to kind of throw you off a little bit after a long, prolonged struggle between the two of you. And then they stand there in the rain. You both pick yourselves up, and you're maybe getting ready for another attack. Mm -hmm. When you get up, the hand is again extended to you, and all those eyes are open and staring at you. But they're not attacking at this point. Their hand just freezes there for a moment. What do you do? They will kind of realizing, at least having some idea of what's going on, they'll call out to the creature. If you're going to make a move, you should at least fucking try. I want this to be an even fight. I can't start it each time. So if you have something to say, say it. They pause for a moment. And when you get a better look at them, now there's not much illumination. Most of it's coming from the eyes inside of their form. Mm -hmm. Their whole body, you can hear it now too over the rain. All of those mouths are sort of breathing, slightly arrhythmically though, like they're not all breathing in time. And so the effect is that the entire form of this figure kind of oscillates, you know, sort of in the way that a body breathing in and out would, but in different places. And their hand holds up and they pause, again, unsure. And then their hand lowers for a second and they stand there. And there's a beat where you're not sure what's going to happen. And then M's car comes into the frame and just knocks them flying. And M, kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger, come with me if you want to live style, yeah. uh, <laughs> parks the car and opens it. Um, the passenger's like, get the fuck in! Dane <laughs> will, instead of getting in, they will climb onto the hood and hang on uh, hang on there. That way they can... Uh, okay, I can't fucking see again if you pull that shit. They'll, yeah, they'll climb up onto like the actual like top of the car and like hold on to like where the windshield was. Jesus Christ, men are so dramatic. And she just starts the car. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like how Batman would like land on a car and just yeah. like straddle it. Basically, oh, that's basically what Dane does. Oh my you God. turn back briefly, Dane, as the car pulls away and you see off on the side for a brief moment you see a bunch of red glowing eyes and then they all seem to just go dark at once and you are again back in the dark driving through the night the rain hitting hard against your face no doubt <sighs> so now we cut to a very different place and a very different time actually we leave the wet and dark New England night to go to the starkly bright and dry afternoon of the Australian Outback, where we see a very young Ashton. You are in one of your mother's many, many, many outposts, and your mom has been gone for the day. She said she had some very important business. Usually she brings you along, so this is somewhat of an exception. It's not maybe the only time this has happened, but it's definitely a rarity. What are you doing while she's gone? Eating a bowl of cereal, watching some cartoons. Then there is a sound of footsteps coming up to the door and the sound of someone reaching for their keys and then the door unlocks and there is your mom, Olivia, standing there looking very, very tired. Mom! Oh, hello, sweetie. How are you doing? I hope I wasn't gone for too long. No, where have you been? Um, 
Uh, just, just doing, taking care of a few things. Nothing particularly exciting. Don't worry. Well, you did you bring anything? Did you bring back anything cool? Does Ashton not have an accent at this point? Not at this point, no. Does he have an American accent though? Pretty much. Interesting. Okay. He picked okay. up uh, the years that followed. Like this point, he did pick up the accent. Okay. Okay. He thought it was cool. <laughs> that actually so tracks that it's not completely <laughs> naturalized. It's just him putting on a little bit of an affect. No, I'm terribly sorry, dear. I didn't exactly have time uh, to do that. Do you have any, like, toys or anything that you would keep around in the room? Anything that would be on the floor? Anything you might have been looking at? Teddy bear, I guess. Pet teddy bear. Okay. Pet okay. teddy bear? Aww. Pet teddy bear. He's got a teddy bear. He's new. Your mom steps forward, and you realize she's about to step on your teddy bear. Oh, wait, watch, watch out, please. Oh, shit. And she tries to, like, move her foot away. And then, seemingly almost just kind of out of exhaustion, she stumbles and falls on the ground, and a bag that she's carrying falls and out rolls of it a box with a large number of chains and locks around it. And she reaches in to grab the box and put it back in the bag. Are you are you okay? I'm sorry. I should have picked him up. Uh, it's it's fine. I don't. Uh, are you um? Just please do look after your things. Uh, yeah. Uh. So what was that? The box. It looked really cool. Um. Uh, this. It's. It's honestly. It's. It's not particularly important. Don't. Don't worry about it. Well, I mean, it had a lot of chains around it. I mean, like, is there something in there? Is there a person in there? Is there a tiny person in there? She sort of rubs her temples a little bit, and she puts it back in the bag calmly and slings the bag over her shoulders and goes um, over next to you as you're kind of watching. Are you, like, sitting on a couch maybe while you're watching TV? Uh, yeah, he was sitting okay. on the couch. And she sits down next to you. She's like, it's, um, okay, if you absolutely have to know, okay, it's a, it's a very big secret. Can I trust you to keep a very big secret? Yes, ma'am. And he kind of does like a salute. <laughs> she laughs and sort of playfully messes with your hair. All right, that's my initial soldier there. Good job. <laughs> um, it's, and she leans in very close, almost as if, you know, she's afraid someone's listening in. It's a doom machine. A doom machine? Who came up with that stupid name? You know, um, I'm sure someone who was very quickly trying to name something importantly. Um, but, you know, it's it's incredibly, uh, incredibly important that you under no circumstances, okay? I can't, I can't tell you what's in, okay? That's, that's, if I do, terrible things will happen and you can't open it or the entire world will end. Whoa. Should we? Exactly. Are we, are we allowed to have this? I feel like we should, like, take this to, like, one of the vaults or something? Like, what are we... I... It's a little bit complicated. Um, if you can just trust Mom for a second. Uh, I've got it under control, and I'm going to make sure that nothing bad happens with it. You can trust me, right? Yeah. Exactly. I can always trust you, Ma. Exactly. Think about it. If there's anyone in the world who can best handle something like this, it's us, right? Yeah, we're the best in the business. Exactly. Ah. Uh, Oh, again, I'm sorry for keeping you where you are right when I was gone. Yeah, I, I uh, this is my fourth bowl of cereal. Um, I think we're almost out. Oh, God. Okay, we'll have to go back into town and grab some more. You're definitely, definitely growing. 
when she says that definitely growing, there is um, a look of sort of worry. It's kind of hard for your seven-year-old brain to place it. And then she glances back at the bag with the box in it. And then her face sort of brightens again as she looks, all right, so um, we should probably be best plan the trip, right? What sort of cereal do you want to get this time? Uh, can we get uh, Marshall Crunch? Yes, we can get Marshall Crunch. Yeah, been... can we get all the only marshmallows kind? <laughs> all right, can we make an agreement then? If you promise to be um, very, very good and not ever open the Doom Machine, <laughs> I can get you Marshall Crunch, the only marshmallow kind. Yay! I'll be the goodest, I swear! Oh can we God. paint a picture for the audience who can't see this that Chris just raised both their arms in the air like like the end of Rocky, I think, is the movie where he's just, just got both fists up and held them there. Now they're both, now everyone's doing it. <laughs> the channel so my inner child. Cute. I, I I live for baby Ashton. Yeah, baby Ashton's great. Your mom uh, gets up again and tossles your hair like, that's my good little soldier. I know that I can always trust on you. And then on that last phrase, we cut back to the present. Ashton, you are holding a catalog of the items in your shack that, among other things, mentions that the Doom Machine has been checked out in your handwriting and you cannot find it. Damn it, damn it, damn it! Oh, God. It happened again. It happened again. Okay. All right. Oh, he will drop the clipboard and he will rush upstairs. Okay. Is this uh, at the same time as the call? Yes. So you rush upstairs to basically see Tempest, like, maybe, I don't know, shouting at your phone or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, Temp Tempest is just like, like, just, hello? Hello? And then stares at it. I'm miming with the phone as if people can see it. Um, and it looks at it <laughs> and it's like, immediately goes to make another call. You attempt to, and you find out, much as Em and Dane did, that you have no cell service. Shit. Shit. What the fuck? And then no. Ashton runs up very angry. Yeah, he bursts through the basement door, very pissed off. He will, uh, all right, which one of you did it? Which one of you helped it? What happened? What? What? My shit, it's missing. It's fucking gone. We didn't steal it. Well, it certainly wasn't. Well, I mean, it could have been me, but that's not the point. <laughs> Damn it. No, wait, it was. It couldn't have been you. He points at Tempest. No, it couldn't have been you. It couldn't have been you for obvious reasons. Uh, it couldn't Thanks, have been you. I think. You couldn't have been. Uh, no, it couldn't have been you. It couldn't have been you because. Cassandra, what, are, what is your reaction to this? I'm very curious. <laughs> Cassandra is just like staring blankly <laughs> at Ashton. Like at first it was like a worried face when like the power cut off and there was no signal. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, that means they can't contact the others. 
but when Ashton starts coming up yelling, being like, who took something? Cassandra's face immediately turns, like, just neutral, staring blankly at Ashton. Just kind of holding, like, they, they had pulled their phone out to check to see if they had signal. So they're just kind of holding their phone on one hand, staring at Ashton, being like, who took what? TLDR, gravity orb, and world-ending box. Got it? All right. What? So, yes. Did you not hear me? Do I need to say it again so that your tiny mind can comprehend what the fuck I just said? It's gone, and I can't find it, and that is big, bad stuff. All right? All right. <sighs> you gonna stop screaming? Slurpee comes up and starts nudging against your neck very worriedly and looks up at you. Hey, baby, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Just angry right now. You're right. I need to stop uh, taking off. I can't be... Uh, yeah. Okay. And he'll, like, massage his face, like, just... Like that, and then uh, even though you know people who are listening don't know what I just I did, I think they can understand yeah. the general chest. He'll, he'll basically, right. yeah, he'll do that, and then I'll just go like, "Okay, all right." So it's not you two. Where's Dane? And where's Greeny? Are they back yet? No, no. Um, we I... can't get a hold of them. What do you mean? The signal's down. Ah. So I am concerned and, considering they're the ones out there. And it happened on a really weird call with Andy saying some weird shit. And I don't know if I'm just being paranoid, but that seems oddly convenient. What kind of weird shit? Um, weird readings of some sort. Yeah, and he asked where, where Cassandra was which he would have no reason to do. Yeah. And um, some, he said the tidal fluctuations are getting bigger and that they're getting... But, but I think he said exactly something really big and then he cut off. Something really big. Well, first things first, we don't need a phone to contact them. We have a little spiritual medium here. Uh, Cassandra... Use your magicy wagicy stuff and uh, contact Dane if you can. Can you do that? Cassandra just <laughs> Cassandra just gives Ash a look and it's like, you know, it's a crapshoot, right? If this thing goes wrong, I'm out of commission. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. We got like uh, five hour energy in the in the fridge somewhere. <sighs> look, they would have come back here anyway. Yeah, but we need them here now. Fine. <laughs> And Cassandra will, uh, I guess it goes under a thing that is beyond human limitations and use magic to try to contact Dane. Yup. Uh, now, I guess, though, so, so let's talk about how you do this. Is Did you pull something out of the bag that does it? Did you have an innate ability to do this? Cassandra is just gonna focus real hard. <laughs> okay, I can do that, but, um... Just gonna put their fingers to their temples, just looking, like, really, like... Just annoyed. Ashton will encourage her and go like, think Dane thoughts. Think about things like Dane, like his muscles, his scars. You're not uh, helping. His demeanor. How incredibly handsome his face is. Let the master work, Ashton. Bill. 
Phil. It's been weeks. Oh, that's still funny. So you're just trying to kind of reach into the, the space as it were. So that's going to be roll plus weird. Seven. All right, so there has to be a glitch. You want me to pick the glitches? Let me look at the list. Yes. I'm just going to make this very simple for the sake of this. The effect is of short duration. You get about 10 seconds to talk to Dane Tops. Oh, shit. <laughs> what do you communicate in that? Like, you get like a sentence or two that you can get out. That's less than like casting message in D&D. <laughs> oh, it's about the same. But... Um, what was it? Oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> that's and all they 10 get. seconds are up <laughs> that's it that's all you get right there. Oh, no. no that's all jeez oh shit uh, oh jeez like, oh jeez uh, let's see uh, I mean that would be a message for sure yeah, it would. <laughs> I want to give poor, poor Celeste a chance to come up yeah. with something go ahead go ahead oh what was it Signal's out trying to communicate to you. Uh, it's like, are we going to head to Andy's? Uh, are you saying this to Tempest? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I I don't know, maybe. I have to think. Cassandra, you don't have time to think. You don't have no. time to wait for yeah. Tempest. To think. <laughs> right, well, get, get your asses back here. <laughs> so yeah. you hear mentally, Dane, as you're on the hood of the car. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Are we going to head to Andy's? Well, get, get your asses back here. <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> Dane, hearing that message, will kind of shout to M since they're outside the car, drive faster. It's kind of hard when it's raining and you don't have a windshield. <laughs> Did he stutter? <laughs> <laughs> Did your expression say that, basically, Dane? Yeah, yeah basically. Can, just, they, can they, I they, even they, see, Dane? They, they kind of, like, lean over the top of the, the car. They poke their head in through the windshield and kind of give a look. They're like... Okay, fine, but you are, you are paying for a new windshield for cast. <laughs> I will steal you a better car. <laughs> There, there is no better car than Cass. You do not ever say that again. She like pats the steering wheel Fucking of the car. slander. I will steal you a boat then. Or a plane. Or a horse. Or whatever method of transportation you want. Oh, actually, a horse kind of sounds pretty dope. I think that's like the lesbian cliche of being a horse girl, right? I'm gonna get a pony. Why is this conversation <laughs> Just like screaming in the rain while yep. barreling down the road. A oh, horse would be pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, honestly, given M sort of just not taking any situation too too seriously, that would sort of track, honestly. But yeah, they drive quicker, and soon enough, you do manage to pull close to the shack. Mm -hmm. And M's like, okay, gotta find a fucking tarp, replace this. You just go in and check on them or whatever, make sure everything's okay. Dane will hop off the top of their car and speed walk inside. 
<laughs> if you were to turn back, you would notice Anne like looking at the top of the car to make sure your weight hasn't like crushed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. <laughs> what they probably would see is Dane's iron grip having crumpled the metal where they were holding onto the windshield. As you're running in the rain, you just hear kind of muffled back. God damn it. Is Dane visibly injured, by the way? That's a good question. Yeah, you actually are. There are a lot of bite marks because you never did. You put a poncho on, right? Yeah, there's a poncho on. It's probably torn to shit. It was. It's torn <laughs> and there's a lot of scars underneath mm -hmm. it. They attacked your chest. Then the two of you tumbled around on the ground. You have bite marks. Covered in bite marks, covered in dirt and mud, soaking wet from Ugh. head to toe, bleeding like you could see it in the holes of the poncho. So he just walks in like this? Yeah, Dane just walks in and looks to all of you. Are you safe? What oh, don't fuck? get that all like... over the fucking carpet! I don't like care. Hell? I will what? clean it later. Are uh, you safe? What the fuck up to you? Fine, do you need help? You can, we can patch you up. I will explain later. You said something about going to Andy's. Yeah, and then points to Tempest so Tempest can explain. You okay, can explain so on the way. No, there is something have, out we there. To... We have another problem here. <clears throat> Someone, don't know who, don't know why, and honestly, really fucking pissing me off, stole two very important items from my, uh, you know, my area in the, in the, yeah, you know, uh, one basically gravity orb. I'll explain it later. Other. World-ending box. Can't open it unless you want to destroy the entire planet. So, I need you, specifically. Yes. I need you to go downstairs. And remember earlier, uh, I need you to go downstairs. Remember how you, uh, you could look into the past. Remember when you tried that? And you know, that ended horribly, right? Yes. Uh, do that again, but this time without the mistakes. I want to make a small note, not to interrupt. Um, would Dane have been able to walk in the door with the security system? Oh, the security system is off at the current moment. Because remember, he threw everything up. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry I don't know what it does when you <laughs> throw <laughs> everything up. I'm not familiar with <laughs> <laughs> I do not understand the inner workings of my giant brain. Yeah. <laughs> it throbs um, right. with information. <laughs> the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. <laughs> Dane will look to Cassandra, do a quick once over, make sure that they're nice and safe, and then turn back to Bill. Give them a look like, a, are you really telling me what to do? His expression is unwavering. He has a very angry look, but like a serious, angry with a purpose. Dane will walk forward, look down onto Ashton. Stronger men than you have tried to tell me what to do. You are lucky there are other things at the top of my list right now. Remind yourself of that the next time you tell me what to do, Bill. You don't have to do it. I could do it myself. Let's find that out later. Tempest, Cassandra. There is something else out there. Be ready, in case something shows up. Emma's outside. We should get ready to see Andy. This will be quick. And walks in and is like, all right. I think I finally got the tarp in. Um, you're also paying, uh, in addition to the windshield, you, you need to pay for the body repairs. 
Define something else. Something like me. Oh. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> and Dane will walk downstairs. I love how that's their reaction. Is just, oh. Are, okay. Are you, are you guys okay? Um, M looks tired, maybe a little shaken, understandably. Not like utterly shell-shocked or anything. It's like, well, we, uh, Got the map, or, or we got we got it like uh, modified, and she grabs it out of one of her bags and holds it up, and you see the site that we described last time, which is that it now the blood is also showing where a giant ring of teeth is sitting on the ocean. We got oh, magic nice. blood map monster GPS. Great. So now what? There's so much going on. <laughs> um, oh. Not sure, honestly. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we should probably kill it or something, right? That's sort of where the natural arc of everything's headed. Yes, okay, so then... what you've missed has been a lot. <clears throat> well, I was through a lot. So I'm kind well, of yes. amazed there was more that happened while I wasn't here. <laughs> so apparently someone has stolen a world-ending box from Bill. Mm. And I'm pretty sure something's wrong with Andy. And actually, that's it. That's not that much. I mean, he's kind of short and awkward. Is that it? Or is there something else? But he called, acted really weird, asked about Cassandra... And then right as he was about to tell me something about um, the weird water that's been going around here, the call cut out. Well, we all lost signal at the same time. Yeah. So is that reassuring in a way, I guess? Not to mention he has that card, which we're pretty sure has a listening device in from the company. Yeah. I keep forgetting what their fucking name is. I don't care. The Greenleaf. Corporation yeah. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, my card's a little out of commission at the immediate moment. Um. <laughs> uh, so okay, okay, okay. So what is what is the, what is the plan? Um, Dane wants to go after him. I'm. Uh, I don't like working without more information. That's the job here. I'll get used to it. Anyways, so we have whatever's going on with Andy. We have the creature that's that's out there in the water and the thing that's like Dane. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't get a good, good look at it, but... Um... I, I, he did. We didn't really get a chance to talk. He was riding on my, the roof of my car most of the way back because it broke Cass's windshield. Oh fuck! Yeah, I know. I, I just got. I've never had. I've had to fix a lot of things on her. I have not had to fix a windshield yet, so I'm not looking forward to figuring that one out. There's so much going on right now. Everything, everything, everything is going on. Everything is going on. I made a joke and it became real. Dane is fighting himself literally. Shit on Mike. Ever, never say words. We're done. You never say shit around the GM because they really use it against you. 
I'll just stay silent for the rest of the show. <laughs> we both know that's not going to happen, Chris. There's no way you're going to manage that. No, There's no way I could stay silent. I think Tempest just like takes a deep breath, stares straight ahead for a good 10 seconds and goes, if, if something's up, if they went after him because of this or because of me, I, I have to help him. I can't, can't get, let him get fucked over because of me. All right. Um, so we're going to visit. We're going to Annie's then. Is that the idea? I yep. guess. All right. Where Where are the other two? Uh, at this point, where are Ashton and uh, Dane? Are y'all still standing there? Because I thought Dane went downstairs. Dane went downstairs, yeah. Dane went downstairs. Ashton followed after him. Uh, okay. The two of you are back downstairs in the basement. All right. Take it away. <laughs> All right. So... That since Dane went down first, Ashton meets up with him at the bottom of the stairs. And uh, he goes, picks up the clipboard, and shows it to him. And he's like, all right. <clears throat> See this right here? I keep a catalog of everything I check out. In case I need to use it for, like, killing things, having fun, drunken benders, the works. And the problem is, he taps the latest one that's been causing him so many troubles with his signature sign next to it. I didn't sign this one. I don't remember signing this one. And it says right here that it happened within the last two weeks or so that I've been here, you know? So here's what I need you to do. I don't have a specific date. Well, actually, does it have a date on it? <laughs> um, do you normally put dates on them? Usually. Um, then it would be a day or two after you arrived. Day or two after I arrived? Yeah. So, we can five days at most. Okay. So I need you to go back, use your uh, eyes and tongues. I don't actually think you use the tongues or the teeth to look back in time. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, use the eyes if you could. Uh, look back about a week and five days. Because hmm. if these people who are, you know, the really fishy ones... That's what I'm hoping that that it isn't. Uh, if they somehow wipe my mind or something, which it's happened before, that's the problem. Uh, if they wipe my mind or something and have their hands on these two objects, we could be in a whole different mess of trouble. Where do you normally keep this thing? Well, ah, uh, let me walk you over. And he walks over to the uh. One shelf, which used to keep the box of doom. The doom machine. The doom machine. Yes. Yes, I remember the names of my the own. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, your mind wiped. It's okay. You yeah, have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he like gestures to like the empty space in between cases. This is where the uh, world-ending box was. This is uh, way more important than the uh, gravity sphere thing. Uh, sphere of subsar, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> that burp was so perfect. Fine, I will try. Back up. All right. I believe in you, big guy. <laughs> Dane will pull out the eyedropper, open up the the scar on his hand, and put a couple drops, and kind of face the eye towards where the 
uh, box would be. And they're going to try and view a week and five days ago. Um, okay, so this is use magic here. Yeah, here we go. Clyde, you better roll well. Oh, God. Oh, well, I'd say I rolled well because that's a 13. Hey. Holy shit! <laughs> okay. I am going to say that this is what happens. So we see the eye open up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, since it didn't work great for you last time, this would be a good time to think about what it looks like when it works better. Do you see through the eye? Does the whole world around you like time shift back for a bit? I'm gonna let, especially since you rolled well, that like you described. Yeah, it's more so that like they see through the eye, like physically they're there. So they would have to physically like move their body in the physical space to get a different view. But for, for, for the most part, they're looking through the eye. Okay. Um, and so. Um, yeah, almost as if they were there, yeah. Okay, so you are looking through, and you watch through the eye as Ashton walks up to the box, takes it off the shelf, looks at it, grabs the clipboard, checks it off. Ashton looks a little, and this is tricky because I don't want to put too much on Chris's character, but I, I think I can figure this out decently. Go enough. ahead and do whatever you want. Okay, okay. Going to base off how you would be reacting in the circumstance. Ashton looks a little conflicted and uncertain, but they grab the box and then they proceed to walk over and you watch them do the same thing with the orb. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what the orb does. Is it in a box too, Ashton? It is in a lead case, like a lead cube. Ashton goes to pick up the box. Looking at Ashton's hand and the space around the box, it seems slightly off. It's kind of hard to put a name on it, almost like it's pinching in towards the box or something. Okay. And Ashton grabs those two items and Slurpee actually comes down and Ashton pats their head and grabs what looks to be a metal cylinder and tosses it to Slurpee who eats it. Now Slurpee, we've established Slurpee can eat stuff. Slurpee eats a lot of things, sometimes too many things. (laughs) Yes, but this looks like it's not Slurpee accidentally eating it, like Ashton actually like makes sure that they gobble it up. And then Ashton starts to walk back up the stairs. Follow me. No, wait, no, wait, I can't see that. Never mind. (laughs) Uh, Dane will follow them. You start to follow behind them as they walk up the stairs and they are going up and you hear a voice from above say, and this something that stands out, um, everything as you look for the past, especially since you rolled really well, you can see and hear everything fairly clearly. Like I almost envision maybe it has like a little bit of a, almost a sepia tone effect to it, like you soften see and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. But for the most part, you can see and hear everything clearly. This voice, you can't make out quite what it sounds like. You can make out the words you hear. Did you find both of them? And Ashton, Ashton just nods and hands them over. And you see this figure, but just like the um, voice, you can't seem to like, you know that it is a person, but you almost like can't quite perceive them. Uh-huh. And then the vision cuts off there. And I think to everyone else, do you have to actually maneuver physically throughout yes. the space to achieve? Okay. Mm-hmm. So to everyone else, while M and the other two of you are discussing stuff, Dane walks back up the stairs and is, is standing there with his hand. Does the eye change in appearance when you do this? Uh, basically, it, the, the pupils dilate to take in more information. Okay, the pupil then kind of contracts and you're back in the present. Hmm. Dane will let the scar close and they'll kind of wring their fingers a little bit and then let it fall to their side. Hmm. 
That may be a Cassandra problem. What do you mean? I can't see them. I can't. I know that they are there, but there was another person. I can't see their face. I can't make out their voice. I can understand what they're saying, but... This is new to me. This would probably better be better suited for Cassandra. Well, I mean, they're both upstairs now, so like, yeah. as he says that, he'll slowly turn and look at Cassandra and be like, Hey, Cassandra! I'm on it. <laughs> Thank you. Alright, so how long ago do I need to look back? A week and five days ago. Alright. Now, I, I imagine that whatever it is that Cassandra does is certainly not going to look like what Dane does. <laughs> no. <laughs> Different <laughs> visuals. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I don't want this to be super, you know, a situation where it's redundant. Narratively, why is this a Cassandra thing? Like, what is it that Cassandra's going to be able to do that you oh, can't, Dane? Because seeing and hearing and speaking to things that aren't, like, outside of the realm of now is definitely more suited to Cassandra because that's okay, what they've done. Then what I'm going to say that this is, uh, just to make it a little bit more mechanically interesting, you have a, th do you have a third eye, right, Cassandra? Or you have something that lets you talk to spirits? Uh, yeah, yeah. The sight. The sight. That's it. The sight. Um, so I think you're going to, there's not a use magic to this. You can just see it. I think you're going to make an investigate a mystery roll and try and kind of tap into the miasma, so to speak, and see if you can get anything that way. Because I don't want uh, Cassandra to just do a never seen to the past roll. That would be kind of not interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a nine. Okay. Um, so you get to ask one question. Okay. Uh, let's see. So Dean said that he couldn't see who this, who it was. Mm -hmm. So the question that will be asked is, what is being concealed here? Oh, good question. That's um, actually perfect. <laughs> that's a very excellent question. You feel that there has been another strong presence of sorts here relatively recently, besides just Ashton, obviously, and then the rest of you. There's a weird sense, um, we can kind of hash this out together, Cassandra, but you can almost feel the aura of a, of a spirit or something like that. Does that feel right? Yeah. Okay. The aura of this figure, A, it seems like it's someone that Ashton allowed in or could enter and trust, and it feels like someone who is not foreign in this space. It doesn't feel like an outside invading entity or anything. That narrows it down. That narrows it down. It it certainly feels like it's someone who doesn't seem like a total stranger. Sounds like somebody who is familiar to this place. <sighs> well, <sighs> well, I mean, there are only. There are four people that I can think of that were allowed in, besides myself. One's been missing for most of my life. Uh, the other three, haven't seen them in a while. Those are the only, those are the only ones. Are you, are you sure you didn't just, like, misplace it? 
I know when I misplace things, Grady. This is not misplacing things. Do any of these people have the ability to or access to something that could wipe memories? Hunters have a very large assortment of armaments and things that we may have caught over the years. It's entirely possible that any of the three could have one. Though the effectiveness of them would vary, that's for sure. It's not like everyone's collection is on par with one another. It's definitely some competition like a... Like a like Pokemon, you know? Yeah, you know, like, you got to catch like the good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Pokemon, catch like the good ones. New catch <laughs> <laughs> That's the new slogan. That's what we want. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Digimon was better. <laughs> <laughs> that is a stupid opinion, but I'll let you keep it. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's your DM Dana. Uh, thanks again for spending some time with us here for another week. We really, really appreciate the listening and the support. So just a couple of things here. Uh, first, a reminder that we have started a Patreon, which you can find us at patreon.com slash meddling. If you want to get access to some bonus content and support the show, you can head over there and sign up. Last episode, I recommended The Courtship of Moname, which I believe I actually just put out their second episode relatively recently. I also want to recommend this week the podcast Harlem Queen, which is by the same crew. It's an audio drama based on the life of Numbers Queen, Stephanie St. Clair, during the Harlem Renaissance. It's, it's really neat, and I encourage you to check it out. Also this week, Daisy had another quick thank you that he wanted to say to someone who's helped out with some of the research we've done on the show in the marine biology area. Hey guys, it's Daisy, and I have someone I'd like to thank this week. Aubrey Jones, an aquatic biologist who was super helpful with answering a bunch of questions about getting a PhD in the field of marine biology and pointing me in the direction of some really interesting sources and podcasts for talking about the trans experience in the field of the sciences. Thank you so much, Aubrey. I really appreciate your help. And... Thank you all for listening. Thanks, Daisy. So lastly, I just wanted to spend a little bit of extra time expanding on the conversation me and the other members of the show had at the start of this episode on issues of representation and how we go about describing and depicting and portraying the various characters on the show. This is definitely something that is important to me and it's something that I want to do right as much as possible as early in the show as possible and having run tabletop games for a few years now it's something that I've kind of been slowly learning how to do better especially on a medium like this where there is you know an audience and it's even more important to make sure that that stuff is done really thoughtfully and intentionally and as someone who wants to tell stories I don't want to just tell stories that are about people that are exactly like me because that's both not particularly interesting storytelling and I think it's not doing my role as a storyteller justice. I think that fiction has a unique ability to show a variety of different perspectives and to give the reader, listener, viewer, whatever, a lens into life that they might not have previously had. I do want to be thoughtful about what stories are 
mind to tell, which is part of the reason why when we recommend shows, we try to recommend shows by marginalized creators that are telling stories about marginalized perspectives that are created by people who have that perspective and that identity. We as a group have had uh, several really productive discussions on what types of things we want to have in the show, both in terms of what we ourselves are comfortable having and what we have a responsibility to depict respectfully and also what we have a responsibility to not depict because it's not our story to tell. And we're gonna mess this stuff up. We're gonna try hard not to, but it'll happen. It's already happened by me not being as explicit about some of the stuff as I should have been sooner. And I take ownership of that. I need to and will do better. I know that we're not gonna do everything on the show perfect and we will do our best to recognize that and correct ourselves and also to listen whenever we're corrected. And in particular, one of the things that I want to do is be very intentional when we do representation. Podcasting being an audio-only medium, there can be a temptation to have kind of a uh, colorblind slash racebind approach to depicting characters, you know, of just letting the audience decide what they want to view the characters as and assuming that that will end up as representation. There's a few flaws with that. One is that if you fail to describe a character explicitly, the audience will often just put in what they're expecting, which will often be someone who looks like them. Uh, and I sort of mentioned when I was coming up with the character of them, Daisy hinted at blonde white twink disorder. And when I was coming up with that character, I knew sort of the role that I wanted that character to fill and a certain image popped into my head. And then I realized I wanted to consciously push against that. Like Celeste said earlier in the episode, you know, we want to be a podcast with definitive character descriptions so that we're making sure that we are doing the work uh, when it comes to representation and not putting the onus on the audience to fill in the blanks. I really believe that that's irresponsible. I think the relationship between a storyteller and their audience is an important one, and I think that the storyteller has a responsibility to honor that and to take it seriously and to take what they're doing seriously. Another issue with not being explicit is that by not intentionally leaning into the representation that you're doing, that you can unintentionally just recreate tropes because of internalized biases that you have as an author. And also, I don't want to view representation as I describe a character as having this trait and that's the end of it. And that trait never influences who they are or how they act or what decisions they make. I mean, I can say as a transgender woman, that identity is absolutely not all that I am. I am a lot more than that, but that identity has colored a lot of how I see the world and how I interact with it. And I wouldn't be the same person I am without that part of my experience. And so when it comes to representation, I want to avoid the extremes of reducing a character to one single identity because no one is just one single thing. And I also want to not swing so hard the other way that representation just becomes kind of a coat of paint. You slap on a character and then ignore it. So when it comes to that, our plan is to be intentional about it. If we have a character that has an identity that's not our own to make sure that we at least do our research. And, you know, at the very, very base minimum, avoid recreating ugly tropes and also portray that character in a way where their experiences reflect in a way that would be accurate of someone who has the identity in the real world. That's 
mostly what I want to say on that for now. It is just important to me that we make clear what our goals are and that we're explicit about what we're doing, both so that you can understand where we're coming from and so that as we go about doing things and we explain why we do them, that we can be appropriately criticized if necessary. That's all I really have to say on that for the moment. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'll get y'all back to the episode. Our next episode is going to be on March 30th. And having already recorded it, I can tell you it's going to be really, really good. I'm really excited to show it to you all. It's, I think, definitely the best episode we've done so far. So super excited. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all in two weeks. Bye. Uh, Tempest, I am actually curious. Do you feel antsy to move on and get to Andy? Are you interested in this conversation? I think Tempest is sitting down on the couch and they have their field journal and they are scribbling, writing as quickly as possible, everything that they can remember about every weird thing that's happened today, exactly what Andy said, and sort of working out a plan on paper like problem. If Andy's asking where Cassandra is and where I am, that might mean whoever is fucking with him wants to know that. So going there would be playing into their hands, but also we can't leave them alone. That kind of thing. They're, they're writing it out. Not, they don't look to be actively paying attention. Dane told like everything that he saw, right? Yeah. Just that okay. he walked up the, uh, walked up the stairs and somebody asked you if you found it you handed it off and that i couldn't that dane couldn't see who they were did he tell ashton about the slurpee thing with like oh the yeah yeah that, metal, cylinder? The metal cylinder yeah all right uh slurpee doesn't shit for months so that could possibly still be in her digestive system uh Dendralos hounds have like really weird internal organs uh if you could call it that yeah uh, who's a good girl? Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> who's a good girl? While we are contemplating what happened with these things that you have given to someone else, the topic of Andy, the other thing like me, and the monster off the coast are very immediate threats. Right, right. We need to deal with the biggest one first. All right. <clears throat> Monster off the coast. Big teeth thing, right? Right, okay. Uh, plan is still to teleport it to another plane of existence, right? Mm. It was teleporting it to another location so we could get rid of it because we don't know where this thing comes from. It could just come back. The shallows. Mm. Well, I think we... Uh, we did get all of uh, the stuff we need for that, right? Yes, I have everything. Besides, besides the materials to send it to another plane of existence are a lot, a lot more expensive, much more rare. Right, but if we're extending it to another part on the planet, uh, problems, you know, no. with people. No, we're sending it. We're sending it closer so we can. Kill it. Oh, right, 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 right. If it's that big, it could cause... Look, if... Look, Andy thought that there was something big enough out there to be affecting the tides. If it's that big, even if you could get into the shallows, discounting all of the 
immediate devastation that would cause, what are you going to do with it? Kill it. Kill it. How? With my teeth. With, with my, my guns. With my magic. And my axe. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I just imagine like they're like making a circle. <laughs> you have an axe? <laughs> I mean, I got a lot of tools. Tempest sort of sits up and is like, okay, the other things that are big enough to, to affect the tides are the moon and the sun. Ooh. Is that going to be enough? The, the sun, that's a good idea. Why don't we just throw it in the sun? Wait, mm. if we're talking about it affecting it it affecting the tides wouldn't it because wouldn't it be just because it's big so there'd be displacement yes it is big enough that it can do that i mean is the point we fought big things before i mean if, Again, if the you size want, of possibly the moon if you want you can give me a little more time we could like summon it in the forest where it's probably helpful helpless but that's going to that's going to take some more time Time isn't really uh, something we have a lot of here. Exactly. <laughs> we either think of shit on the fly, uh, which usually works out for me. I mean, I'm still alive here today, uh, albeit uh, like this. Gestures to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, self-burn. Those are rare. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really in the uh, best mood right now. But <clears throat> we go find it. We kill it. Uh, wait, do we have a plan for what we're going to do with the corpse? I will take care of that. You can eat something that... Do you have that much of an appetite? With yeah. enough time, yes. You probably have till sunrise. Plenty long enough. So, just, are we going out tonight? Is that now the plan? Steal a boat and go out tonight? I don't think anyone would be stupid enough to be sailing in the storm. No one would be around on the beaches and everyone is likely safe at home. If we are going to avoid collateral damage, now would be the time. Right. <sighs> Alright, Greeny. Guess we'll take your car and, uh... My guy yeah, doesn't we'll have a windshield. You can I blame can him for that. What happened? Other mayhap. Something busted through it, and then he busted through it the other way. The other may happened. Okay, we can drive up to the ocean, and let, is your car like a, is this like a Batmobile scenario where it can change? Because if well, it is, that's pretty cool. Please tell me. God, I wish. Um, Dane said <laughs> something about stealing a boat. <laughs> <laughs> this represents, I think, a key moment of character development for Tempest to be like, you know what, fuck it, we are stealing a boat. There's no chance. The, the sooner this thing is dead, the sooner Andy can get taken care of, and Tempest's priority is Andy, and right. they can't win a fight against the rest of them right now to argue right. that they should go get him first. Right. I, I, I love that. Just Dane's smile and the, just the slow laugh. Just... <laughs> that was perfect. Yes. Let's go steal a boat and fuck up this creature. Hey, man. Hey, does Dane still have his hammer? Yeah. It's, a, okay. it's an M's car at the moment. 
should probably take it out before actually no it can't rust never mind (laughs) stainless steel baby magic steel baby (laughs) okay so i'm just gonna make sure i get we're gonna drive over Mm-hmm. Step one, and then step two, steal a boat. Step three is sail the boat, yeah. and then Cassandra's going to teleport it. Is that, are you teleporting it? Yep. Yes. Please don't destroy the ecosystem if you can, please. We'll keep it in the water. Step four, don't destroy the ecosystem. Um, <laughs> and then, and then Dane eats it. That's the plan. Oh, you missed the uh, killing it step. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was kind of lumping that in with Danny. It said I figured that would accomplish both of those. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. All right. We're we're either going to sink and drown or get eaten. Sounds great. Let's go. Sounds like an adventure. Um, Are you, are you, uh, Am actually kind of comes over like next to you, Cassandra. Are you actually, like, like, be honest, are you actually good? Can you actually do this? Yeah. Rolls a two. <laughs> oh my Don't god. Don't you dare say that, you bitch. Oh man. That might happen. Okay, um, what what can we do to like like when it happens, like what are we gonna do to help? Leave the fighting to Bill and me. I was asking Cassandra actually, like, to help them. Oh. Mm. Yeah, okay, so (laughs) one thing we did forget to mention, the little hypnosis thing that it has with its its lights. We're gonna have to figure out around that. Hmm. Um, Dane raises his hand meekly. Yes, Dane? I was figuring you could actually be our solution there. Go on. Well, if we're going to be doing some experimental things here, maybe you could counter-hypnosis us or something. (laughs) Put us under something first. Or maybe, I don't know, some sort of shield. At least for everyone else. Right. I don't think I have that option. Is that a thing that can happen? Well, if um, everybody's okay with that, uh, uh, okay, just just to be okay with what exactly? Well, considering that, uh, well, Dane's suggestion of you know, uh, actually, mm, a trance, a trance of a sort might not be the best option, considering. People are going to need their wits about them for that. Is there a way you can just avoid looking at the giant, giant spooky light? Just thinking. I mean... Because we're going to be fighting this thing in the dark. Maybe... Hmm. If I tie a flashlight to me, can you see it? Or Not something? in a stormy sea. Like a GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What if I light it on fire? No. <laughs> it's Even worse, keep trying. Yeah, I was trying to counteract 
you know, such an effect and then also trying to summon the creature, that's going to take, that's probably going to take even more than what I already have on me. Hmm. Wanna... We could always go for the light first. I can go can cut off the light. What if, okay, this is going to seem kind of weird. Okay, everyone know, um, like, the whole the whole sirens thing, right? The whole siren mm-hmm. story? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know if they have genders? <laughs> Wait, it, I, don't, it, I don't think sirens care about their genders. <laughs> right. Like, do they? Thumbs up. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Tempest nods. Like, yeah. Okay, so 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 when they're when they're sailing, uh, like I forget which story it is, but one of the dudes like wants to sail across, um, and oh. and actually here they put they put the fucking uh, they put the fucking stuff in their ears. So if this is light. Wax. Yeah, yeah, we could maybe maybe one of us can wear like a blindfold, and that way if everyone else gets in trance, they can like stop them. Good idea, but we'd still have to keep the boat in the right place. Again, pretty stormy seas out here. You can't just drift. Isn't that what anchors are for? Yes, but I... How deep are we? Since we're teleporting it somewhere shallow, it should be shallow enough. Theoretically, maybe. Do we have to be near it for you to teleport it? How does that work? Um, well, since if we didn't know the location of it, uh, we would have to be near of it. But since we have a location, we can pinpoint it now. It's going to take, it's going to take a little more time, especially due to the distance. If we stay in the shallows. But it will, if it works, it will get into the shallows. This is, (laughs) this is all depending if it works. I don't like that if. Magic is very unstable. They do not comment. All right, so we're going to get the boat. We're going to figure something out regarding blindfolds or a related idea, and then we're going to teleport it, and then we're going to kill it, and Dane's going to eat it. Yeah. What a plan. Sounds good. All right, let's go. Break. <laughs> Tempest, you're driving. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Which means they are squished. Tempest has like a Civic. <laughs> We're all in your car? Yeah. You have more than one car. You all we have two cars. Who's, okay. Who's riding with who? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I'll ride uh, with Greeny. You're Greeny. You're Greeny. <laughs> <laughs> She looks annoyed. I think she was hoping that, like, the joke would, like, she wanted to turn it on you, and now it hasn't. She's annoyed. Yeah, pawning it off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dan, you're greeny. Both of them. Yes. No, that, damn it. Mm. <laughs> nice one. All right. That's one in the cool machine. I am with Cassandra. All right, then we're going with Bill here, considering that he just looks out to Tempest's car. <laughs> no. So, no. So we have um, four people in one car and one person in another car. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, okay, um, 
Wait, oh. wait, wait. No, yeah. I got confused on the order. I thought I thought M was going with. No, M's dri- M's writing with Ashton. Ashton. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't think this would be the logistically difficult part of the plan. Listen, Dane's big, okay? <laughs> we will go with Tempest. Those yeah. two can take care of themselves. Yeah. Thanks, I don't think. Nice. Um, all right, so we cut next to a scene of heavy metal blaring in Ashton's car as he's driving <laughs> to... Is that accurate? Would that be what you do before? Yep. It's not the same heavy metal. It's like a different kind. It's like more of a... It's like screamo with like a lot of... Uh, I want to say like uh, through fire and through fire and flames. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the other three of you are driving in Tempest's car. What is that environment like? Tempest is not playing rock music. I'm trying to think of what music Tempest would like and trying to come up with a band that isn't... Probably just some indie shit. God, I could make them listen to sea shanties right now. I could do it. <laughs> what would you do with a drunken sailor? What would you do oh, with a drunken would sailor? You what would you do with a in the background, like singing along? <laughs> God, I grew up yep. with these. It's on some kind. It's on some kind of like shanty folk playlist, and then they're just like, fine. I remember when this one was written in 1478. With each song that came across, it's like, this version is different. I prefer the original, but this is fine. <laughs> they're like, yeah. singing, like, they're like singing along, but they have like different words because like the lyrics are pretty close to what they were, but there's just a couple words yeah. that have changed here and there. And it's like, yeah. oh, mm, different yeah. word. All right. They're in the background, yeah, just kind of jamming. They just, they just look very worried, and they're just again staring through the windshield, driving slightly faster than one should be in the in the rain. Okay. How's Cassandra looking? Cassandra is always just looking tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cassandra is the type of person who seems very good at hiding whatever they're feeling. I'd be they're surprised if there. they looked awake. Yeah, I think. <laughs> One Tempest is like, I'm glad you like the music. Yes. Cassandra just shrugs and then motions to Dane. I hear it all the time from him. I'm used to it. Yes. On the long rides, this is what I use to keep myself occupied. Reminds me of better days. Dane thinks my taste in music is too distracting while driving. Yes, I have to think. Why do I have to think? Even though I insist, hey, I can drive too. I can, you know, do it. Hmm. They shrug. So, you guys have done this before. Does is this seem as suicidal to you as it does to me, or am I just overreacting? Dane kind of shrugs, <laughs> like hands up. Like I mean, I guess. I mean, it. Like I said, it's kind of usual, especially when you're dealing with the big ones. Good to know. There's always the risk of dying. That's the thrill. That's, that's reassuring. Just some music references. <laughs> Just like, it's not unusual. Starts playing on the radio. unusual cover by the longest Johns. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> Followed by like, what, seven What's Up Pussycats or something? <laughs> yeah, right. What's uh, Up Pussycat? <laughs> 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 what's new Pussycat? <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
I assume that Ashton and M are just enjoying the heavy metal. Yeah, he's like tapping on his on his uh steering wheel. Yes. <laughs> he's tapping on your steering wheel. Your heavy metal's playing. Where are y'all actually headed? Just back to the dock area. Yeah, that's where we agreed on, right? Let's oh, yeah, we're stealing I need to take yeah. a boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, just cruising down to the boat, ignoring all uh, speeding. Uh, speed limits. As you might imagine, you step out into the still fairly hard rain and there's not really any people there. I think folks headed in for the storm, but there's lots of boats. Lots of boats. Hmm. Mm -hmm. We need the most seaworthy vessel. I'll leave that up to you. Points to a dinghy. That one looks good. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Immediately, no. <laughs> Both Tempest and Dane know about boats. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Do I? What do I have to roll? <laughs> Wait, who, this is this is literally now roll plus boat. Roll <laughs> plus boat. boat. Uh, um, that is a thirty-six. Um, <laughs> so y'all would be looking for a boat, then, right? I feel like yes. this is just going to be an investigative mystery. Whoever who has the better sharp. I no. have a plus two to sharp. That probably would be. have the better sharp. Mm -hmm. um, which means you can maybe roll to help out if need be. Of course. So that's a nine. Okay, Dane, technically you could roll to help out here. So Tempest, you're looking around and you find, I think, like an okay boat, like a, a very decent, decent boat. Mm -hmm. And it's raining kind of hard, so it's a little bit hard to see, but you've identified yeah. one. Dane, what would you do to help out? Um... That's a good question. Basically, they would just like go alongside them, and when they would find one, Dane would be like, "But these things points out things about the boat." Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Go ahead and roll. That'd be plus cool. I don't really know why that's cool, but that's what it's gonna be. Uh, it's all right. It, it ended up being a seven. So. Okay. Um. So <laughs> you get to ask. We'll get back to what the consequences of that seven are in a second. But you get to ask two questions here. Tempest. It's a little bit weird because you're looking for a thing, but we can adapt them as need be. What appears to be a boat that can handle the storm out there? And... Okay. What can it do, maybe, then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You find a nice, not super large, but it's a very nice... You honestly know more about boats than me, I imagine. Um, what kind of vessel would we want to find, you know, that's capable of actually navigating? Especially if you want to go out into a storm, potentially into, like, you know, some choppy waters. Weirdly enough, this is not actually something I've experienced over much, but we're going to start from the ground up. You want something with a motor, probably an enclosed cabin of some sort, and just... High enough above water, I don't know the word for that, but high enough above water that it will not, you know, get drenched by your average wave. Yeah, Tempest would be looking at more like the fishing boats than a average pleasure boat. Yep, yep, yeah, I think so too. You actually find what looks to be a nice sturdy fishing boat. I think this is the boat you're going to take. You can ask one more question to identify if it has a problem or something, that sort of thing. Is there anything that Tempest would notice about it that would make it not great to bring? Um, yeah, maybe we'll ask, like, what can hurt it? Like, what, yeah, where, exactly. what, what is Yeah, exactly. Like, is there an obviously exploitable weakness? Yeah, so let me give you this. This boat checks off everything that you would want in a mm -hmm. boat. Um, in terms of what can hurt it, you notice that uh, it does have a mark on the side of its uh, enclosure that suggests that maybe it's been, like, patched up or something. Like, maybe there was in a... Like it had been a little bumped and it's been kind of fixed up a bit. It's not too bad. 
<laughs> yeah, can they see like the quality of the repair? Quality repair is pretty decent. It looks like it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You just know that maybe avoid that. I think you yeah. notice that like even controlling for that's probably your better option here. You just want to maybe like look out for the left side of the uh, enclosed cabin. Yeah, I think um, Tempest would like turn to Dane like, what do you think? This will do. You know how to steal one? Does it require a key? Odds are yes. Then either looks looks over at M. Do you know how to? Yes. <laughs> and she just hops onto the boat. <laughs> and you guys wait like a minute or two, and within a bit, you hear the engine of the boat kick on. Wonderful. Tempest will start um, untying the cleats. Dane will go collect their weapons. Astro will pop open his trunk and pull out uh, another case and carry it on board. So just so we get a sense of the gear that everyone is taking, um, Tempest, you, I assume, would probably take your, uh, you have a handgun, is that right, or was it a rifle? A handgun, a couple knives. They didn't come here prepped for diving, so they don't have a wetsuit or anything. Yeah, they're not bringing, like, a laptop or anything, but they have their bag, journal, gun, knife, waders, first aid kit. Okay. Yeah, so so some basic stuff. As long as it's something you would reasonably have brought, like, I probably won't be mm-hmm. a super big stickler on it. It's, um, yeah. So I just like to talk about it beforehand. And then Dane, hammer and sword, anything else? Uh, hammer, sword, no, that, that that's pretty much it. Okay, Ashton, you've got your case. Yeah, he's got, let's see. We have... Gun, 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 gun. <laughs> basically, <laughs> we got a big knife. We got a nine millimeter piece. Pistol. Pistol. Uh, nine, nine millimeter. Blah, blah, blah. We have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> we have also his grenade launcher. And in the case, he has a very cool looking grenade. Okay, the only thing I'm going to say here, I'll be relatively generous in what you get to bring, but A. <laughs> Stuff that you bring, you can lose it, and B, it can also, you know, you bring a very cool grenade, it can go off at a very uncool time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, pick your poison a little bit, but I, I'm fine with that. And then, Cassandra, um, anything in particular, you know, uh, that you would have wanted to bring over? You have your bag, so you kind of have a lot of your stuff with yeah. you, but. So, so all the stuff, uh, since Cassandra had gathered them and pulled them out of the bag earlier, Cassandra has a separate bag. Uh, it's just a regular bag, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, of all the yes. items that she needs for the summoning or the transportation spell. Do you remember what they were by any chance? But it's okay if you don't point for point. The scale of a mermaid, volcanic sand from a newly formed island, some sea glass, some feathers of a seagull, uh, some sea grass, and then an assorted collection of shells. Nice. That's a good memory there, friend. Okay, so who is driving the boat? Tempest will Tempest. assume that they are driving. Uh, the only other person who I think expressed some desire slash confidence to drive was Ashton. Um, are you letting <laughs> Tempest drive without an argument? Uh, like, if they're, like, preparing to, like, sail away, he'll be like, you know, uh, okay, we can help you with that. Like, he's, like, standing over their shoulder and being like, okay, I'll help you with that if you want. I mean, so I, I do know. Great. Untie this cleat, please. And points at one of the ropes, keeping it to the dock. Yeah, I got that. He pulls out a knife and he cuts it off. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna take a bit. <laughs> oh, I don't know boats, actually. <laughs> I think Ashton goes to pull out his knife, assuming, and he tries to, like, slash at the cleat for a bit, and it's not. Ah, what are you doing? I'm just making it faster. No. We're borrowing this. 
You do not cut the what? I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) Dane has a thing against cutting ropes. Mm Mm-hmm. As they should. Yeah. And so Dane will show Bill how to untie the cleat. Don't take a take a knife. What are you? A barbarian? No, that's your job. Noted. I specced into the fight class, you specced into the barbarian class. <laughs> <laughs> we got the wizard over here, and I think the cleric and the artificer. Tempest is also going to start, like, there are always life jackets on a boat. They're just going to start grabbing them and handing them to people. All right. Also, we don't have to use these. Just in case. Dane will not take one. Even if you can swim, if you go over the side in waters like these. Chances aren't great. No, no, makes sense. I'm aware. Suit yourself. Dane, being the person that they are, they will like <laughs> take take the one for Cassandra and like walk over to them. Do you need assistance? Um. No, I mean, I just I just have to set these up in a specific way, and then concentrate really hard. That's actually that's just a lot of magic. Just concentrating really hard and having the right ingredients. I was talking about the life jacket. Oh, right. Uh, no, um, I, I'm, I'm good. I can. They will hand them. They will hand the hand it to them, and they will go back to preparing the the boat. They look very focused on their current task or what they have to do, and so they seem distracted. Then we'll leave them to focus on it. Okay. Tempest, you begin, uh, I guess this is kind of Cassandra's, uh, operation here a little bit. Cassandra, where do you want Tempest to drive the boat to? Mm-hmm. Okay. Shit. Do we have, we have, we have, so we have the map that points at the monster with us, right? Yep. And hold it okay. up. All right, all right. Uh, fuck, I was never good at reading maps. <laughs> all right. So we're going to need a place that has some... <sighs> I think there are probably charts that they can look at as well. Yeah, that's right. You're the, um, you're the ocean expert here, so... W- what am I doing? Helping us pick a place to um, summon this creature. There are definitely charts in this boat. I think Tempest would grab one, unfurl it. Okay, so we want it shallow enough that it would be disadvantaged, but not so shallow that it's going to completely wreck the seabed. Um, That's tricky. Maybe I do not have such a chart, they point. Yeah, that, that looks like a good location. far as I can remember from the area, it should be far enough away from any research. I think the more important part is making sure it's away from people in the town. Well, yes. But yeah, I think they, they, they point out an area. Not familiar with these waters, but I'm pretty sure this thing has a GPS, so. Okay, so, so we just kind of pull out here for a bit and wait? Is that the plan? Are we headed over there to intercept it? I mean, why waste time, I guess? Yep. So how far out is where you're trying to go, Tempest? I think they would pick somewhere at least a half a mile off the coast, probably more. How deep is the water at that point? 
depends on the watershed where, okay, the waters I'm familiar with <laughs> are a lot shallower because I grew up on an island, but offshore gets a lot deeper, a lot quicker. So we can, let hmm. I me, mean, one second. Okay. So looking at local waters off the coast of, for the viewers, this is a Narragansett Bay chart. It's not exactly where I live, but I used to live around there. So, hmm, we're looking at no deeper than around 70 feet. Okay, so not, not super deep. And that's where you're going to try to teleport it to, right? You're going to go there and then Cassandra's going to focus on it and teleport it to that location. Yeah. If Cassandra wanted deeper water, they would go further offshore. But if that is the depth they're going for, then that's where they would be. While this is all happening, Dane and Ashton are out at the front looking out. Yes, I see you, Clyde, with your hammer and sword in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're going to go somewhere where, you know, the water's maybe 70 feet-ish deep. So you guys sail out to that location, and you are sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. Waiting for, uh... It's not there, though. Yeah. No, 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 it's it's no. somewhere way different. You're going to teleport it there. Mm-hmm. Waiting for Cassandra. Yeah, Cassandra's... Cassandra's getting everything ready. While they're getting everything ready, Dane's just going to be keeping watch, so. Yeah, Cassandra's doing this uh, inside out of the rain, because I'm, I'm assuming, you know, since it's storming, it's all storming and raining. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, God, if that volcanic sand washes away. <laughs> that would be sad. Yeah. They can put him in the cabin. It's probably pretty cramped, but. That's fine, as long as there's something to put. As long as there's a floor. <laughs> as long as there's a mm-hmm. yeah. something to put all these there on. There might not be a flat floor, but there will be a floor. A yeah, floor is fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cassandra's currently, like, arranging uh, arranging everything in order and using the sand to, to draw patterns. Okay, so you're drawing in the volcanic sand. Dane and Ashton, you two are, as I understand, waiting outside the boat in the rain, looking yes. for anything. Uh, yeah, keeping watch. Yeah, just looking for a giant vortex of teeth in the middle of the ocean. You hear some rumblings and some noise a little bit underneath and away. And everyone inside the boat hears it, too. You haven't done it yet, right? Uh, no. All right. Dane and Ashton, you two are outside when you hear this. What do you do? You, you heard that, right? Mm. I shouldn't look. Dane will try and go investigate. What are you doing to look? You're just literally looking around anything else? Yeah, basically. Um, they're not going to expend too much energy. They want to save it for the fight. Sure. So um, roll read a bad situation. Ah, uh, fuck me. That's a six. Okay. Um, Ashton, if you want to try to help out. This is plus sharp? This is plus sharp. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Before you walk, it's plus cool. My bad. For help out, it's plus cool. For read a bad situation, it's plus sharp. Help out, it's plus, plus cool. So that was a three. Oh! Uh, plus two is five. Hey! hey. <laughs> Join the club! Hey! Ashton, I'm gonna give you this, although it'll be far too late to help. You see Dane peer over the edge, and then you peer out over the edge, too, and you catch a glint, and you immediately know instinctively what this is before you can reach out to tell Dane to get away from the side of the boat. An iridescent tentacle shoots out of the water 
grabs itself around Dane and pulls him underneath. And before you can react, you feel something reach over the side of the boat and you see another similar tentacle wrap its arms around you and you are sucked sharply under the water. Both of you are gonna take, I'm gonna say two harm from that. Oh, I never learned how to read. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and two harm, all right. Yep, and then you guys hear another groaning sound from below. And at this point, Ashton and Dane don't hear. I mean, they might hear it, but they're gone. Did we hear them go over? You might have been looking, right? Tempest, right, if you're not actively. Yeah. You, you see this happen. Oh, shit. And then you see multiple of these tentacles start to come up over the sides and grab onto the boat. And then the boat is actually lifted a little bit up into the air. And below you, you can see a mouth emerge from the ocean and it's glinting. You don't quite realize this immediately. If Ashton were here, he would tell you that this is in fact a rainbow crack. Holy oh shit! My <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Rainbow cracking. Fuck yes, fuck yes. Oh god damn, damn it. Woo! Let's kill a rainbow kraken. I knew it. <laughs> Cassandra, you're trying to arrange a relatively intricate symbol when the whole boat veers and gets lifted a few feet into the air. What the fuck is going on? Okay, well, uh, looks like I don't need this anymore and just sweeps everything back into your bag. Oh, okay. You 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 sweep everything back into your bag? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, yep. okay. <laughs> so, Ashton, you are plunged into the cold, dark waters. Just the sheer force of being picked up and jerked, like, and constricted is enough to do the harm itself, and then the slap against the water. You are stuck in the cold, and you can feel this tentacle wrapped around you. Is it wrapped around my arm, like, are my arms to my side, or and it's wrapped around that? Yeah, I'm actually going to say to make this extra difficult, your arms are pinned currently. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm just, like, being, re- like, yanked down into the abyss. Yup, yup, quickly. You do not have much time. Oh, okay, um, let's see. So if I'm uh, basically in plank position, my knife is on the side of my pants, so I'm going to try to, like, yank that out. It's not a diving knife, so it probably won't do, like, super great in this situation, but he's going to fucking try to, like, get it out. And he's gonna try to like just jab at the tentacle from underneath. Yep. Just yep. yeah, like that. Just like an upward stabbing motion. Like I'm almost stabbing myself in the jaw. Yeah. Go ahead then and roll kick some ass. So eleven plus one is twelve. Okay. So you get to um on a plus twelve. You and this thing are both gonna deal some harm to each other. You get to pick one extra effect. So you gain the advantage. Take plus one forward to give plus one forward to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm, which is plus one. You suffer less harm. You force them where you want them. You know what? I think the best option here would be technically it would be to force them where I want them, and where I want them would be not around me. (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna go with that one. Okay. How much harm uh, does your knife deal? Just one harm. Okay, you stab at it, and it doesn't seem super, super hurt. It tries to squeeze you as you're pulling away, which is going to do another two harm, but you manage to stab it and get it off of you. 
that would mean that I am above the three and the okay, and I am now four. Yeah, yeah you are. Um, you are now unstable, which we haven't gotten to. I don't think, at least, the one person who's been taking the most harm has been Dane, and he is constantly recovering as he deals it. So it's never been that big of an issue. But this is important. So zero harm wounds have only minor short-term effects. Four to seven harm wounds are serious and unstable. They will get worse and less treated. Mark the unstable box. So you're currently unstable. I think you feel okay. like you might have fractured a rib. a rib or something yeah. at this point. And that makes sense. you are a little bit in rough shape. Tempest and Cassandra, <laughs> what do y'all do? Well, fuck. Cassandra's booking it outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heading out. Same. Um, is the is the mouth out of the water? Yeah, you can see it's. It looks kind of like a big, um, mm-hmm. yeah, beak a little bit. Yeah, as long as as long as it's above water, because he can't shoot through water. Then I think Tempest is like cursing a blue streak under their breath. They are going to try and fire at the mouth. Dane is so proud. The instincts. I think this will be a kick some ass roll because if you were like, say, sniping it from a distance and it wasn't aware, that would be one thing, but you're sort of fighting it. Yeah. Is that plus tough? That is plus tough. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a lot of kick some ass. We're in the kick some ass phase. Oh God. Rolled a fucking four. Tempest shoots himself. <laughs> oh, no. So the boat's a few feet, like maybe 10 or 12 in the air at this point. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's climbing. This thing is trying to grab it and pull it up into the air. And Tempest, you go to fire your gun and you get one shot off and you're just nervous and it's wet and the gun flies out of your hand. Fuck. And then a tentacle just whips you and hits you for, um, I'm going to say two harm. That's what I have on my sheet just to be consistent. And you fly off the side of the boat into the oh, water. Oh, wonderful. I knew it. Um, Cassandra, I'm going to give you something here for free a little bit, okay? Okay. Because uh, you've already looked into this. You look over the side, right? You can see the mouth. The, the beak, uh-huh. it does not look right. It does not look like yeah. what you saw in your vision. Oh, fuck. This isn't the, this isn't the monster. There's, there's, this is, uh. All right, uh, Cassandra is going to do what she did to Dame before <laughs> and use magic to try to hold this creature in place. That's a big creature to hold in place. Yeah. Well, Cassandra's a badass. Cassandra's so. a fucking badass. That's right. Yeah, I'm here for it. Give it all you got. I don't want to die. Dane, Dane will be fine. Cassandra is taking out a bundle of bramble bushes instead of a couple, like last time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. That is eight. Hey. All right. I have a fun idea for this since I get to pick the side effects. I'm going to pick, draws immediate unwelcome attention. Oh. And <laughs> the real monster shows up. It's kind of like we see before, right? Like there's a big bunch of black smoke that floats over to the thing. And Ashton, you would see this from below. The tentacle reaches out and you kind of pop your head of water, like just in time, like sore. You see the <laughs> tentacle racing over to you and then it just freezes. Maybe you get a chance to look up and you see that black smoke wafting order and you see Cassandra standing there looking looking pretty damn badass on the hull of a boat that's being held up in the air a little bit. Does he have the chance to go, yeah! <laughs> if you want to, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. just go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if only y'all had worn your life jacket. I mean, I guess Ashton did, I will say. We probably, Ashton would have worn their life jacket. He right? hadn't put it on. <laughs> oh, you didn't put yours on. Damn, I was trying to help damn you. Damn it. This is why we do good boating safety, kids. Dun, 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 the more you know. 
if he had gotten to actually like pilot, drive the boat or whatever, he would just would have like looked for like a back view mirror and been like, my boat's a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ashton. Uh, all right. So, Cassandra, you are standing over there. And then as you all are waiting over the edge while the creature freezes, there is just a moment where everything is quiet, save for the rain. And then a light comes on in the water. And another light, and another light, and another light, and another light. And soon there is a ring of lights all around. Cassandra, you have the best view of it. It's a sweeping circle that must be like miles wide. And then from below, you hear a massive, massive, massive sound vibrating through the entire ocean. And it is in that moment that you are made painfully aware of one of the fundamental laws of the ocean. There is always a bigger fish. Let your heart never fail For the bonny ship the diamond goes a-fishing for the whale For its cheer up, me lad Let your heart never fail For the bonny ship the diamond goes a-fishing for the whale 